Uh, Luke chapter 10, you can see that title, One Necessary Thing. Let's look in um, Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. And I'm going to read along with you because my translation has a couple of um, awkward differences. That uh, So I'm going to read this one. Now, as they were traveling along, he, Jesus, of course, and he entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations, and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. I, I think that's funny every time I read it. This is, you know, God in the flesh. Then God, tell her, you know. Then tell her to help me. Okay. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, some translations say, Martha, dear Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things. But only one thing is necessary, for Mary has chosen the good part, or that good thing, which shall not be taken away from her. Okay, Martha, dear Martha, you're worried and bothered about so many things. But really, only one thing is necessary at this time. Mary has chosen that, and it won't be taken away from her. You can see it written up there in that beautiful font. Serving is essential. Serving is essential in life. Amen? You will serve. You'll serve something. You'll serve. There, there, you just can't get away from it. In 1979, how many have ever heard of Bob Dylan? Okay, now are you just not participating and don't want to raise your hand? Or those that didn't raise their hand, do you really not know who Bob Dylan is? Does anyone not know who Bob Dylan is? No embarrassment in that. Okay, so a few. Bob Dylan was a very well-known songwriter, singer, although that's, that could be debated. He's known for singing. He has a very kind of bad voice, and he would go off key and he'd do funny things but he was a poet excellent songwriter and he was big in the sort of folk scene of the mid-60s into the psychedelic years and he's been writing songs in the late 70s 1979 Bob Dylan wrote a famous song that he won a Grammy for called you gotta serve somebody and the chorus of that song ends it might be the devil or it might be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Now, he's speaking it in a sort of ultimate sense. The devil or God, you're going to serve one or the other. If you're serving yourself, you're serving the devil, is how the Bible would put that. You're serving God, or you're serving something else. But even on a purely human level, Serving is part of life, right? You just will have to do it. It's, it's just part of life. If you're a boss, you've got to serve. If you're a worker, you've got to serve. If you're a mom, you've got to serve. Right, mom? Right, mom? You got, <laughs> that's right. If you're a dad, you've got to serve. And we do it with such style. 
No, if you're a dad, you've got to serve. If you're a kid, you're going to have to serve. Actually, there's a series of books. I, I, the first time I found one was when I was in Los Angeles, and I found this series, Children's Letters to God. And they're fantastic. And I think they were done in the 50s or early 60s when there was still quite a God influence and you could still talk about things like that in school. And uh, in the children's letters to God, one young kid wrote a letter to God. It said, Dear God, do you have your angels do all the work in heaven? Because mom calls us her little angels and we have to do everything. (laughs) Which, Which is, listen kid, even if that were true, get used to it. I know it isn't. From the kid's perspective, we have to do everything. Oh no, you don't. Um, You might think, What'll be good is when I get past the time of having to serve, it will never happen. I don't even think it's going to happen in heaven. However, work in heaven won't be related to burdensome toil in some way. We're not going to just sit around doing nothing. We're going to do something. But, you know, like when you've got a... I watch Rose. Rose loves... She has a green thumb. She's great with plants. She makes our yard wonderful. People walk by sometimes and say, oh, your garden is so nice. I say, oh, thank you. I put a lot into it. No, I tell them, I get to do the grunt work. Rose does all the work. She just makes it happen. And she will come home and go into the garden and it's work, but it's kind of a labor of love. Like she just does it. And, you know, I, I like to tease her that she'd rather spend time with those plants, especially her um, dahlias, she'd rather spend time with them than me. Um, dahlias and roses, she, that's her thing. It's work, she's serving, but it's enjoyable and we'll do more of it. But listen, we must serve. Everybody say it, we must serve. The words serve, serving, serves, servant, appear in the Bible over a thousand times. Uh, It's evident. You look, there's one word and two, uh, it it wouldn't be considered a a conjugation of the word, but there's two uses of the same word, but just slightly varied, that both occur about 350 times in the Bible. Like it's, it's just, the Bible is replete with references to serving, and to servants, and to service. Now, some of them would say, well, the king had a servant. It's a little bit different. But many, many, many of them have to do with serving God, with serving him, with living as servants to God. Over a thousand times in the Bible. Now, we have to serve. You see where there's a need, and you serve. That's part of life. It doesn't even have to be your spiritual gift. Now, believe it or not, this message is not primarily about serving. But I want to just say, it doesn't even have to be your spiritual gift. Now, that's an ideal if everyone is functioning and serving in the area that they're most suited for. You know, things will happen. If everybody was serving in an area like what I just said about Rose in the garden, if, it was, if Rose could be in the garden and people would come to Christ, oh my gosh, this church would be huge. Just, what's that? (laughs) 
Just get in the garden, sweetie. People are coming to faith. Go do it. That if everybody could function in the area that they're suited for, that would be great. But I don't think that ever will happen 100%. Partly because I think God uses it where we don't even really know all of the things we might have. And God gets us serving in some area. And it's like, oh, I can do this. But then in time, it's like, no, I could leave this behind. And somebody else for whom this is a, a sort of a, a soul-filling thing, they'll do that, and, and I can move on and do something else. Everybody doesn't need to serve in the area of their spiritual gift, but serving is vital. You do it one way or the other. Where there's a need, you might need to step in and meet that need for a while. Amen? Amen. Amen. And we honor God by serving him. And we honor God, I think, sometimes by serving in areas that, you know what, this isn't my gift, this isn't really something that fills my soul, but it needs to be done, and I'm going to step up and do it. I think God looks at that and says, excellent, and blesses us for it. Amen? One way we express love to God and to his people is by serving. All of that now to say, serving is essential, but back to Martha and Mary and Jesus. Serving is essential, but in this little account that's only found in Luke, nobody else touched on it. John, in the 11th and 12th chapters, he talks about Martha and Mary and their brother Lazarus and the close relationship they have with Jesus. So one thing should be said at the outset, and I know we talked about it last week, this isn't really the outset, but Jesus had a good relationship with Martha. Martha is a Jesus lover. And when her brother passed away, she was the one that first met him when he's on his way into town in Bethany. She goes to meet him. And Jesus obviously has a good relationship with her. And she makes him dinner then in chapter 12 of uh, the book of John. She makes a big dinner to honor Jesus. So the fact that in this case, he says, you're worried and bothered about a lot of things. He was not speaking down about her serving or about what she wanted to do to honor him. He was talking about her distraction and her worry. But here, here's Martha and Mary. Jesus is in the house. So right at the moment, maybe the way that you need to express your love and desire for Jesus is not with a whole lot of busy uh, serving. Maybe there's something else. This is a moment to attend to him. Mary's way, not Martha's. Mary's way. Notice it says, as they were traveling along, he entered a certain village, Bethany, and a woman named Martha, she was probably the head of the household, welcomed him, that means accepted him into her home. The very next thing is, and she had a sister called Mary, who was sitting at the Lord's feet, listening to him speak, listening to his word. She was attending him. Martha welcomed Jesus into her home. She invited him in to where she lives. So get close to him. Don't invite him in. And then by the time he leaves, we've experienced this, and I don't quite know how to get around it, but when you do something like have a big Christmas dinner, there's... 
work and serving from the beginning of the day to the end of the day. Right, Geraldine? Yeah. You're, but if you like it, there's something special about it, right? I like it. It's, but sometimes... And I know my mother used to say this. The whole family would come over. My mom's working in the kitchen from morning till night. And they leave and it's like she never got to have any time with anybody. She was in there serving the whole time. It's kind of how it goes. So in this instance, here's Jesus in the house. Maybe the thing to do would be to say, okay, we need a slightly different plan. I'm not going to have Jesus under my roof within, you know, arm's reach, and somehow he's going to be there, and he's going to leave, and I didn't even have time with him. No way. That's just an unacceptable, get close to him, draw near to him. Amen? If Jesus is in your house, be with him. Be with him. Amen? He's the key. He's the focus. Be with him. Not just, hey, I'm in the kitchen working. And I, as I've said before, and you've probably heard me say this, maybe Martha could have been like, Jesus, speak louder. I'm in here. I can't quite hear. I, speak louder, please. I want to hear this. Or just, okay, let's eat a little bit later. I'm going to stay in here for a little bit. Or something. And Jesus is reasonable. I, I doubt that Jesus was just like, listen, Martha, it's your home. Now get in there. And you get, get food on the table. No. And hey, that, and that's customary. I don't say that lightly. It would have been customary for her as the woman of the house to have him in. You're going to honor this guy. And it would be customary to honor him with uh, food. That would have just been a given. That she would be preparing for that. But Jesus is reasonable. I'm sure there was a way, some way he would not have corrected her if it wasn't something that, hey, listen, maybe he had already said to her, Martha, let's eat a little bit later. Please, come on in. No, I'm just going to get some of this ready. And then, you know, Martha, come on in. Uh, I, I wonder if Jesus didn't do something like that because he's reasonable. He would not have corrected her if she wouldn't have had sort of the, I'll say it this way, the freedom to just sit down and, hey, I'm not in any rush for dinner, sit down. I want to talk to you guys for a little bit. And you know he was traveling with an entourage everywhere he went. He had an entourage plus probably a crowd waiting outside. So do it Mary's way. Attend to Jesus Mary's way. Get close to him. Draw near. Be with him. He's the focus. He's the key. Now look at Mary. She was not just part of the crowd half-heartedly listening while she waited for dinner. What does it say about her? No, she was seated at his feet. Well, what does that say? What does that suggest about Mary? Well, I think it shows that she was there first. She was there getting close to him. Now, maybe others were intimidated and they stayed back and she was able to just come in late and get close, but I don't think so. Everywhere he went, there was a crowd so that, you know, you have stories like the people with the paralyzed guy and they couldn't even get in the house. They had to tear a piece of the roof off to get uh, the guy in there. So probably there wasn't a lot of room. If you got there late, you stood back. I will tell you, my vision for us would be that you have to get here early to get a seat this good. 
Now, that might seem like a pipe dream, but I'm praying that God starts multiplying the fruit 30, 60, 100 fold. That everybody in this room, I would love it if everybody in our church currently led at least one person to Christ in this year. And why not? Why shouldn't we be praying for that? Amen? Amen. Why not? Why shouldn't we be praying? Do ask for it. This year, start asking, God, show me who I should be praying for and who I can witness to and who I should be giving some extra attention to to bring them to Christ. And I pray that it'll be a time where you have to get early. There was a time our church in Kitsilano got kind of big, and we had to split into two services. It was exciting. It started to kind of multiply, and after a little while, it was getting filled up further and further, and we started filling in. And I remember a couple of times before we did that, that someone said to me, oh no, church statistics say once the church is 80% full, you need to have a second service. Okay, Uh, you know, that maybe is true of church statistics and that. And they were saying, you know, we we should do it. And we were certainly looking at it. It's like, "Mm, we're not quite at that breaking point yet. Let's just wait a little bit longer. I'd rather have uh, a fairly full service than two little ones. And so I was saying, let's just wait. And then the person said this that I didn't quite agree with. He said, people, if they show up and the place is full, and there's barely parking around the street, and they come in and it's full of people, they won't stay. I said, no way. That would be the exact opposite to my um, reaction. It would be like, why is everybody going in there? Why is it so popular? That, I think, would be like, okay, wait a minute. If you don't get there early... You, and we had a, a couple of services like this where there were people, it was beautiful to see, sitting in the aisle. And it's like, woohoo! I liked it. You know, you can't walk down the aisle. We called it the center aisle because it wasn't quite this wide. There was only a center aisle. We called it the gauntlet. When the service was over, you better think about who you want to talk to because you couldn't get down that aisle. It was like a plane, at, you know, when it lands. You're not getting by, you know, unless you're really rude. It's like, you know, forcing your way through there. You, you couldn't get through. Now, I, so Mary, this suggests that she got there first. Now, it's her sister's house. That probably isn't that unusual. But still, you would think in the house, you might give those spaces to somebody else. Oh, you're a guest in my home. You know, oh, Peter's here. You know, you know he's not the apostle Peter yet. But, you know, he's, he's still the guy who's sticking his foot in his mouth all the time. Oh, Peter, welcome. You know, here, please sit close to Jesus. But no, she got there and sat close to him. It's like... I don't want anything between me and Jesus. I want to be close enough that I don't miss a thing. I think that's what it suggests, that she was sitting where she was sitting. She wasn't back in the crowd. She wasn't taking this casually. She was sitting close to Jesus. She did what she had to do to be close to him, without interference, without distraction, between him and herself, at his feet, listening. She's also humbling herself, seated at his feet. It's like, I, I just want to be close to him. And she's seated down low, which the word most commonly used in the New Testament 
for worship means to do reverence and it means to bow down or get low. So like when you're reading in the New Testament that it says, you know, a leper came to Jesus and he worshipped him. It wasn't like, how great is our God? No, what it meant was he got down low, Jesus. It's like, you are higher, I'm lower. And he got down low before Jesus. He worshipped. That was seen as humbling themselves. And here's Mary humbling herself before Jesus, listening to him. Now, this, I don't believe this was just a pupil learning from a teacher that he was just teaching, as in, okay, now I'm going to tell you a teaching, a message. No, this was worship. This was the word being spoken as, uh, there's a, uh, a teaching element, but words of life, words of revelation. This is who God is. Oh, I guess you could call that a teaching, but it's more like uh, a Check, check, check. This is, this is Jesus speaking words of life, words of revelation, words of uh, value, insights, uh, relating encouragement to them, experiences that he's had firsthand with the Father, laying out truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the light of the world. He's shedding light on things without it just being, oh, a a sermon or a teaching. He's opening up his heart. He's opening up, he's revealing the kingdom of heaven and revealing things to the people that are seated there at his feet. Now, last week, we focused on this aspect of this account. Get near Jesus and get his word in 2024. So, since last Saturday, let me ask, how many people have read the entire Bible? (laughs) Twice, yeah. One of the things we touched on, it says she was listening to his word. And in 2024, I want to say, prioritize God's word. Prioritize the Bible in this year. Prioritize that for yourself. Don't just read it. That's why I like to say Bible intake. Take it in. Don't just read it, but study to understand it. Find out if there are things you don't understand. It's like ask somebody or uh, discuss it with somebody or get yourself a one-volume commentary where there are things sometimes, and, and I don't mean take the easy road where it's just, I don't understand that. I'm going to look and see what somebody else said about it. No, don't do that. Let meditate on it. Mull it over. Think it over and over and over until it sinks down in your spirit. And God will reveal things to you and you'll own it. Rather than getting it sort of the easy way that, oh, I just read what somebody else said. But here's where a commentary can really help. Sometimes there are cultural things connected to what you read. 
And when you read what those cultural things were, it's like, oh, that's why he said that. That that seemed like an odd thing to say, and it's because there was a custom or a cultural uh, nuance that I didn't get. But read your Bible in 2024. Please commit to that. Um, Meditate on it. Study it. uh, Discuss it with others. uh, Memorize it. That's a a good exercise for thinking it over if you memorize the Bible. Think it over and over and over. Do this. Get it into your head. Get it into your heart. So when it's time to respond to circumstances, when it's time to respond in life, a biblical response will be more likely. If the word gets in you, the uh, Solomon says that in the, uh, the Proverbs, I think it's Proverbs 22, he says... I'll store up your word in my heart, Lord, that it'll be ready on my lips when I need to give an answer. Then that's what'll come out. And Jesus said a very similar thing when he said, out of what fills your heart, the mouth speaks. If you've been storing up the word in there, it comes out, right? I, I know that at times... It was like, okay, we've been watching too many movies or something where the language is terrible because when a, something happens on the road, the response that I hear in my head is anything but a Bible response. It's like, no, those aren't the words I want to say. There, there are some others that'll work. And so you, what you store up in your heart is what will come out of your mouth. Amen? That's just natural. That's just normal. That's how it goes. When it's time to respond, you'll have a biblical response. This book is part of the one necessary thing that Jesus refers Martha to. This book is part of that one necessary thing. Mary was sitting at his feet, listening to his word. This word is part of that. Through the Bible... Jesus reveals to us the truth about heaven and earth and life and himself. It's fuel to build our faith. It's a vision. To, it, it's hope to give us a vision of what can be and should be. It's wisdom. It's timeless perspective. Words that grow us. Promises that we can build our lives on and have a firm foundation and grow in. That we can stay constant in. Recently, I heard John Piper, a um, preacher from Minneapolis, that I he's retired from pastoring now, but he he puts out a daily, well, almost daily podcast. And he said this, he's never met a mature, growing, Christ-like Christian who's not a person of the word, ever. And I would say, absolutely. If the word, you, you can meet some people who've got talent, who've got this, who've got that, without the word, they might be decent people, might be good people in a lot of ways. But maturity, growth, Christ-likeness is not possible without that. Because Christ was the Word made flesh. He's living it out. This thing matters. This thing matters. This is God's expression to us that we can see, as I said a second ago, it's revelation and truth about heaven, earth, life, us, eternity. It's we need the Bible. But, okay, all of that. 
back to Martha, it says in verse 40, okay, verse 39, she had a sister called Mary who sat at his feet listening to his word. But Martha was distracted. Ouch. This is, this is a little glimpse at Martha's clay feet, at Martha's human frailty. It's not ungracious. It's just saying, but Martha was distracted. And as I mentioned last week, that word distracted means drawn away. She was drawn away from the priority. It's like, here's Jesus in your house, and you're drawn away after something else. And here, Mary is drawn right to his feet. Martha's drawn away. Drawn away from whatever. Mary is near at Jesus' feet, listening carefully, taking in the one who is life. But Martha was distracted. It says, with all her preparations. She was drawn away from God in the flesh, who's in her living room who is right there, can be touched, can be heard, can be known. But she's drawn away by something else. She's distracted, not with immorality or greed or something obviously sinful. She was worried and disturbed and distracted from Jesus by good and godly, by something good and godly and gracious in most circumstances, but not right now. Again, Jesus didn't speak against her serving. He spoke against her priorities. In this moment, the good was the enemy of the great. She could have been with Jesus, but she was distracted. And she didn't even have a cell phone. I mean, I think about that. You want to talk about distraction. Hey, we've got, you know, YouTube and Netflix and all those kind of things. We've got a cell phone. That thing, thank God for it. The technology is really beneficial for a lot of things. Amen? But wow, can you get distracted? Can you waste some time? You're all looking at me like, really? It's it's only you. (laughs) It's only you, John, not me. Yeah. Yeah. She was worried and disturbed and distracted, and she didn't even have one of those. Martha welcomed Jesus into her home, into, which is into your, her life. You, don't, you bring people into your home that you want to have some kind of shared experience with. It would be natural and customary, as was said. She did all of that. There's some kind of expectation. But Jesus graciously takes her complaint. When she comes to him about how unfair it is, that her sister has not been helping her, Jesus answers graciously and redemptively. He's not dismissing her. Again, it's not her service. It's not her hospitality or her care for him or her desire to honor him. It was a matter of priority. This moment with him there, don't miss it. Don't be drawn away. I want to say one thing about Martha coming with a complaint because I think this is a good thing for us at the start of a year also to get in our prayer life, have 
the freedom to be real with God. And I don't mean disrespectful, never. But Elijah complained to God. Moses complained to God. David, my goodness, the book of Psalms, 150 chapters. There is a lot of complaining in there. But listen, here's the thing with it. He's taking complaints. Where better to take it to? If I take my complaint to you, now you're burdened with it maybe. Maybe it's even sinful that I put something on you that now you have to deal with something. But if I take my complaint to God, and there's a time, there's a time where, you know, it might be something. Maybe my complaint's about Charisse, although that's hard to imagine. But maybe it's about Charisse, and we have to talk something out. But if I take it to God, hey, he can handle it. He handles it like he did with Elijah. Elijah saying, I'm the last prophet left. Oh, no, you're not. You just took care of 400 prophets of Baal, and then you ran from Jezebel. And now you're out here saying, she's trying to get me. Woe is me. And it's like, I'm the only one left. I'm the only holdout. No, you're not. No, you're not. God can handle it. And God could handle it here. Jesus could handle Martha's complaint. It's like he wasn't thrown off, I don't think, for a second. He corrected her good. And he can handle your complaint when you come again. I don't mean being disrespectful. But I mean coming to God and saying, God, I don't understand it. This seems unjust. God, I'm, I'm fed up. It seems like I'm doing this and you're not working things out. It seems like you're not helping me. You're not with me in this thing. And it's like, sometimes he's just silent, and I hate it. But sometimes he'll speak something, as I've told you before, God will speak something. Sometimes, and he says, and it doesn't even seem to have to do anything with what I was complaining about. But it's just like, okay, you're opening up. Now it's a good time for me to straighten something out here. Or maybe he points out, what this is really about. I'll tell this really quickly. I drove a taxi for two and a half years. For about the last, yeah, close to a year, I kept feeling like, I got to get out of this, got to get out of this. And not just because I didn't like it, but I felt like God was saying, enough, enough. This was a, a good stopgap measure for a moment, but you need to get out of this. And one time in my dad's garage in Edmonton, and it was cold, it was, I don't know, maybe about... I actually, it might have been about this time of year, maybe December. I was fixing something under my car, concrete floor. It's freezing in there. It was cold. Take your gloves off in a minute. Your hands are frozen. You know, I'm doing this. And it just was not coming together. I crawled out from under the car. And I'm, I'm on my knees in the garage. Here, I'll go up here so you can see. I'm like this. I crawl out from under the car, and I'm like this beside the workbench. It's like <laughs> nobody's there. It's nighttime. God, I can't believe you're not helping me with this. And I felt like God just sort of graciously said, didn't I tell you to get out of this? It was sort of like, didn't I tell you to get out of this? Like he wasn't at all thrown. Yeah, didn't I tell you to get out of this? And sometimes I'm, you know, like every other sinner, defensive. But in this one, it was like, I know that's true. 
And it was like within about three weeks, I had sold all the, I'd sold the car, sold the computer, sold all the um, stuff, and I was out of it. It was like, yep, he's been saying that. I've been feeling it. And this was sort of like the last straw, frozen hands, you know. (laughs) I <laughs> on the garage floor and God, yeah, I told you to get out. Okay, good. He took the complaint and he dealt with it. Learn how to respectfully bring your real stuff to God. And I don't, again, I was kind of throwing a bit of a tantrum in that particular one. But God's big enough to handle who we are. Uh, I'm not saying that. You know I'm not saying condoning, oh, just go be stupid or foolish or you know, disrespectful. But being real. God, you know, here's my complaint, and God straightens things out. So that's how it is. Jesus is able to do that, to take those complaints and handle them like he's always done. And with Martha, here's Martha. She was distracted. Martha... I have Martha tendencies where I can get busy and think, oh, I'm doing this for God. And it's kind of like, you're just busy doing busy things for God. And what about me? I had a time, I think it was Thursday morning. I just thought, I got to worship. And I'm walking around my office. It's early in the morning. It's dark. I, I sort of pace back and forth and I'm, trying to sing and worship and do it quietly. And at first, it's just like, eh, I'm saying all the same old things. This is just dull. It's like, I'm not really breaking through. I feel like, am I even being authentic, God? And I'm, But I'm still doing it. I'm praising him. And it's like, after a little while of just, no, I'm, I'm, I want to lift God up. I want him. I want to adore him. I want to devote myself to him. And I'm, I'm giving praise to him. And God, you're holy. God, you're majestic. And I'm, um, you know, I'm singing it. And it sounds, you know, kind of borderline chant. You know, when you're singing, just making songs up. And, you know, if anybody heard, I'd be mortified. But I'm doing this. And I'm just lifting it up. And after a little while, man, I'm, I'm in. Like, I'm I'm in. I'm worshiping now. I'm not just making up, you know, like little ditties in there. I'm singing my heart, and it it's like. But sometimes it takes that thing of pressing past the. You know, it's almost like you're you're getting through the sort of humanness and the distraction and all the stuff to where you get close to him. And now I'm in, and I'm worshiping, and it's worth the price it cost to press through that sort of, eh, you know, whatever you want to call it, dullness. But I know I have Martha tendencies, and that's why it took some effort to press through. Anybody else in here have any, have a sort of Martha tendency? You can get about busyness and doing things for God and forget God. As I was praying, in fact, about that, I was thinking, I could see it almost like an AA meeting, only this is MA, Martha's Anonymous. And it's like, hi, I'm John. I'm a Martha. And slowly, you know, people start clapping, you know. (laughs) Then I had the thought, you know, when people reach in AA, one year of sobriety and they make the cake. 
at Martha's Anonymous, all the other people fight over who's going to make it and serve it. You know, they've all got that tendency. Of, you know, a fight broke out at Martha's Anonymous. <laughs> anyway, we're going to start that kind of support group in the new year. <laughs> okay, so anyway, all of this, Nearness to Jesus, receiving from Jesus, hearing Jesus, seeing Jesus like Mary was doing, that's the one necessary thing. Jesus says to Martha, you're worried and bothered about so many things. There's really only one thing. Mary's chosen it. It, I wouldn't dream of taking that one thing from her. She's devoting her full attention to Jesus. Her heart her mind, herself. It might seem like I'm reading more into it than it gives it gives us, but when you see Mary in John chapter 11, she's like this. This is Mary. She gets in trouble again even when she anoints Jesus before his burial. This is the girl who anointed him that people said, oh, that perfume could have been used To feed the poor. We could have sold it. That's the same Mary. Boy, this girl, she took some flack for pressing from her sister, now from the disciples, for pressing in. Maybe they were just jealous of her because she kept getting close and kept getting filled, kept getting touched in in such a powerful way by Christ. She was drawing close, devoting herself devoting her whole being to him. Jesus is her focus, her desire, the one necessary thing. This is a picture of worship, attention on Jesus, affection for Jesus, concentrated on Jesus. He's revealing and she's receiving. He's speaking and she's adoring him. She has drawn near to Jesus, loving him and being loved by him. This is ultimately worship. Is that telling me it's time? Okay. Uh, It is. It's 8 o'clock. Don't trade trade away time with Jesus. I got to say this really carefully. Don't trade away time with Jesus for serving. Now, you might have a responsibility at some times, and you said, okay, I'll do this. I'll serve in this way. You, you got to do it. But if you set that as something you were going to do, but privately and publicly, don't let serving rob you of being near Jesus. It should be something that we get close to him through our serving. But there's certain times we're worried and bothered about so many things, then something's got to give. Something's, something's got to change. You've got to get back close to Jesus. In 2024, let's be a church of Jesus-loving Jesus worshipers. Somebody say amen. amen. Let's be a church of Jesus worshipers, of Jesus lovers, of devotees of people who are who adore him people who guard against distraction that keeps us from times near jesus i don't want that let's have this be a church where our soul focus and i don't mean i mean you could use that both ways but i mean our soul our lone focus 
is to see him and hear him and be with him and love him. Sometimes with songs of praise, sometimes with the words of the Bible, sometimes with silence and adoration and reverence. I want to say, in 2024, practice this at home privately. Practice shutting things out and getting close to Jesus. Practice it. Develop it. It's going to take some work, like that thing I said on Thursday, about Thursday morning. I didn't just walk in and, oh, there was a choir of angels singing. Oh, man, I'm seeing the Shekinah glory of God. And, oh, man, this is so easy. No. Because why? Because we're human and we live in this fallen world and you've got to press through it. But develop it. Work at it. Press in. God says in the Old Testament, in the book of Jeremiah, you will find me when you seek for me with all your heart. I'll be found by you. Why? Because like we sang tonight, he is for us, not against us. He wants us to come near, but he also wants us to press after him, not just be casual. Oh, if, I, if something happens, great, it's there. Let's make it, let's make church from 6.30 to 8 every week Jesus time. That when we come in, we know that, hey, if we come early, there's snacks, there's food, we're going to fellowship, that kind of thing. But at 6.30, when we begin to worship, let's determine not, we're not going to be distracted away from Jesus. I'm going to actually hear the words of the song, songs and sing them to him. I'm going to realize what we're saying about him, who he is, what he does, what he promises, I, I want to get close to him. I want that. Let's, let's do it. Let's make our public time together. It's an hour and a half a week that we gather. And out of that, there's really usually about maybe 30 to 40 minutes that we specifically take this time to worship. And when we do, mine is right here. When we do, Let's try putting that thing in our pocket, not on us even, if you can, or put it somewhere. Maybe you give your phone to somebody else. I'm going to give mine to Cherise because uh, I used her as an example today. <laughs> then I'm going to complain. I didn't get my phone back. No, maybe put the thing on silent and don't pick it up. I, you know back when pagers were the big thing? And I heard, yeah, in church, there was one church in the States that said if they had an, uh, a thing up on their screen like this, and it said, if you take calls during the service, you can bet that the devil will call. <laughs> He's going to want to bring you away if you'll take it. He's going to call. Now, is he calling directly? Well, I hope not, but it might just be that, oh, it's, you know, some, the Conservative Party of Canada, you know, asking for money. You know, it's that kind of, somebody's going to try and distract you. Let's not, let, let's not let it happen. Let's determine in 2024 that worship in this church is going to be us and Jesus, that we're going close. We're going to, oh man, I think, yeah, give God praise. I think he can do it.
We can, we can make a change. I urge you, when we gather, let's, let's declare this as Jesus' time and commit ourselves to not be distracted and to not be distracting. Uh, I'll leave it at that. If anyone is brave enough, maybe put that on silent in the in, well, I care, have a briefcase here, somewhere where it's not going to get touched and you won't even be drawn after it. And I know that a lot of people read the Bible on their phone nowadays. So leave it in until you do that or start bringing an old school Bible. And what's that? <laughs> yeah. Start bringing an old school Bible like this and have a look at it. You know, you used to hear that in churches. You'd say, let's turn on our Bibles, and you'd hear this sound. And you don't hear it anymore. You don't, you just don't really hear it. And I realize there's a lot of great things. You know, you have the Bible app and all the translations and all that kind of thing. But if you're prone to, to being sidetracked, uh, privately and publicly, try using a paper Bible. Because if, if that really is a temptation for you and you get drawn away, well, then, you know, maybe make a change so that you don't get drawn away. Uh, and, you know, have, grab a, a, a paper Bible, like, you know. Uh, so, let's pray. Father, we want to worship you. We want to worship Jesus. We want the one necessary thing, which is Jesus. And being close to him. When he's revealing himself to us. And revealing the realities of the universe. The realities of time and eternity. And who you are. And who we are to you. We want you Lord. If, if this resonates at all and you want to just devote yourself to the, a sort of a, a closer walk with him tonight i want you to stand for a second um if it resonates and you just you just god i want to be like mary in this story i want to get close to you and devote myself to you and worship you in this way solely Father, thank you for each one here. Would you give grace, the grace that's needed, for each one here to follow through on their desire to know you better and to get close. To have proper priorities. And Father, in agreement right now, we pray for Compass Church. To be a place of worship in spirit and in truth. Undistracted worship. Worship where you're honored and we get satisfied because you're near. I pray that for everyone here and for the many who aren't here tonight, God. Would you bless us in this? In Jesus' great name we pray. Amen.